You're listening to We have another podcast collaborating with us. Uh, finally, we are not a hermit podcast. Yes, we have friends. <laughs> um, so we have uh, Marcy and Akko from the Colored Pages Book Club podcast. Uh, say hi mm-hmm. to our listeners, you guys. Hi, everybody. Y'all Hello. can't see me, but I'm waving. How y'all doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, colorful people. What's up? So uh, they are way more entertaining than us in terms of discussing books. Um, (laughs) I I listened to because you guys have read a lot of the same books we've we have in the past. Uh, So Mm. I listened to your Grace of Kings episode and the the Widows of Malabar (laughs) Hill. And Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I just kept laughing. And I, I was just like, wow, our discussions were more serious but you guys made it so much like like I was cackling. You guys made it so much more fun. <laughs> so definitely go check them out, you guys. Uh, they're hilarious. Oh Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's so funny you say that because I was listening to y'all's episode of Grace of Kings. I because like when we were still reading the book, um, I was like, let me wait. Let me like finish the book first and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of do our episodes and like see what, you know, they have to say. And I was like, oh, so y'all are just like fucking brilliant like i was really listening to y'all's episode and i was like oh huh bringing it all this context and historical references and just i was like i i was like did i read the book because honestly our discussion was completely different (laughs) but uh i don't even remember what we talked about yeah i like honestly don't like i don't know if you guys have the same problem but after we finish a discussion of the book i like forget everything oh so like, like when mm-hmm. i listen to the episode later i'm like oh i said that <laughs> <laughs> no it's like immediately like i like stop pressing record on audacity and i'm like oh well that was just literally wiped from my memory like my brain's just like right. wait what, what was what did we just do for the past two hours i actually have no <laughs> idea um i mean critical yeah. thinking and talking about things critically take a lot of brain power so mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah. but but thank y'all for having us we definitely appreciate being here we're excited to talk about this book because Mm, got oh got some thoughts yeah got feelings cannot wait to talk about we it we are here to talk about our february 2021 book club pick she of the mountains by vivek shreya uh, but before we get to that uh Akko, i heard that you have a question for us <laughs> i do <laughs> um before that i wanted to make an anecdotal story which is that I saw that this was a books and boba. So, of course, being on the nose, I was like, I should buy some boba, which Ooh, I did. It's very it. delicious. Um, there was a whole rendezvous because I woke up late and I was like, I still need to do this, <laughs> even though I have not allocated the proper amount of time to efficiently get this boba and get ready for the day. But I was mm-hmm. like, I got to do it for the aesthetic of this podcast and no one can right. see. <laughs> so, um, An aesthetic that no one can see. Literally none of you Like know. we literally aren't even seeing each other, but right. I still love that you did that. I'm dedicated to the bit. But mm, but on. speaking of bits, I have a bit, which is a question <laughs> for y'all. Um, I was thinking earlier when I was rushing to get my bulb, I was like, man, remember the early internet? Like, remember when like, 
things weren't like coalesced in like three different places and like it was like the wild west and you would go anywhere to any mm. website and you'd end up in some like weird website that probably doesn't exist anymore i wanted to know what was a website from your youth that you went on that you still remember fondly oh man this is gonna be hard because um <laughs> i had a very restrictive childhood i guess yeah, so <laughs> yeah i don't really remember like where did i where did i go um i mean like i had i had aim and i talked mm. to random mm. strangers so mm-hmm. yeah like what what about you marvin you've been alive the longest out of all of us so uh <laughs> yes i am old <laughs> thank you um the website i remember vividly is a website called madman's cafe and i don't know if you all remember this this is back in like the <laughs> early days when I can only go on the internet when I go to the library because we didn't have it at home. Mm. Mm. And it was a video game website that um, reported on news straight from Japan, specifically on like Squaresoft and Enix games back before they were merged. And so that was mm. where I got my news on like Final Fantasy VIII and all the new stuff coming out. It's kind of a, it was an old website. It doesn't exist anymore. But uh, yeah, like that's what I remember. Madman's Cafe um, at the Pasadena Library computer lab Mm. that's so dope i feel like i i could almost feel the website i was like ah the dial-up i hear it (laughs) 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 Um, what about you marcy i love this question so much okay so i'm kind of stuck between two websites um so i used to play like a lot of computer games and so i remember like cartoon i think it was literally just like cartoonnetwork.com like they just had like a shit ton of games on their website and i remember i would just like go in and play oh my god there was this powerpuff girls game y'all. yes Ooh. i remember with the pillow fight one yes Girl, we're talking about yeah okay let me woo. Oh okay god, let me explain it okay so basically <laughs> there was this game where um you were playing you know as the powerpuff girls and essentially like that you were just like having a pillow fight so you would like choose like blossom bubbles or buttercup and you would just like kind of throw pillows at each other and it was like a very simple premise but like really engaging i remember mm-hmm. like Ed and Nettie had this like food, like it had kind of a similar like um, cafeteria food fight game where you would like run around the cafeteria and like throw food at people. Like, oh, I just like loved shit like that. So I was really into that. And then Miniclip, I feel like became Miniclip.com, which I don't know. Is that shit still around? Is that? I, I have, to look I have it up no later. idea. But um, it was basically, yeah, just like a game website. And I remember there was a game called. <laughs> There's a game called Puzzle Pirates. Aka, we might have talked about this before. I'm not sure if we have, but we like, have. It, was, it was it was an MMORPG, I guess you could call it, where essentially like you would make like a pirate character and like essentially your goal was to just like get money and I guess just like gain resources essentially and like create crews and go out to sea and like pillage and like all this other shit. And I Y'all, I lost my goddamn <laughs> mind. I remember there was a summer where I literally, I would wake up and I, like I have a twin brother and like he and I would get together, wake up at the same time. Like I would literally wake him up and then we would just play Puzzle Pirates like <laughs> the whole, the whole day and like this went on for like two weeks like we like made friends and we were like rendezvous at certain times like we were just like really into it um and then after a while we were like okay i think we can play puzzle pirates but maybe not as obsessively as we've been playing it for the past (laughs) two weeks um but yeah so uh, puzzle pirates is my shit i don't even know if that's still around but 
But yeah, also, I'm sorry. Can I cuss on this show? I... Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I curse want. so much. Okay, so, I just yeah. to double check. <laughs> but yeah, what about you, Akko? Um, first of all, thank you for bringing up, car- like, every cartoon channel used to have its website with, like, different games. And I remember yeah. that. When you said that, like, my heart, like, went back in time and I, like, felt warm. Um, mm. But... <laughs> Also, I literally say cuss because it reminds me of the South. and makes me happy. Okay. Um, <laughs> you feel like, is this just a love fest, Akko? Uh, uh, she's anyways, a but... Southern Belle. What can I say? So. Um, also Southern here, technically. So. <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys remember. I have two as well. I, here we go. But if you guys remember Homestar Runner, I used Absolutely. to love yes. Homestar Runner. Oh, my God. And it was so, like, I don't know who made this website but it was like i don't even know who homestar is like i don't even know <laughs> like what is a homestar was homestar runner a person like I'm he was like this, sure. he was like yeah. a tall white character like was he a person he's a character yeah it's a character um that has like a a weird lisp going on and the breakout star from that show was strong bad right strong bad, strong bad yeah females. i remember when that was um see here's the thing like so because i have about 10 years on both marcy and Akko. Um, Homestar Runner was huge back when I was in college because that was when they were releasing episodes every week. And I remember yeah. following that. So I really loved, I don't know why. It was just such a like, and there's like this whole, there was like Strong Bad would have these like songs mm. or this whole thing about Trogdor. And yep. then it was wild. So I love that. And then the other one, I don't know. This one is even more obscure. So let's see if anyone gets it. It was called legendaryfrog.com. And no. they were just like, oh my God, I loved it. It was this like very nerdy website where they did these like parodies of like lord of the rings and like i can't remember what else and the matrix and they just had these like really funny takes and it was like all flash animation Mm -hmm. and must have taken so much work to do i loved it they were so it was so cute and funny let's see i'm curious to see if i love this i'm looking it up right now and i'm like this is so this is cute (laughs) this is really cute but it was definitely a time you know like it wasn't yeah. So yeah. Um, the Homestar Runner brothers were writers on Yo Gabba Gabba. They're That's brothers? What? what? This is so... Wow. I didn't even think... I had like put it in like... I had just forgotten about it. I didn't even think of them as like people who continue to exist. In <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're, they're credited as oh, the brother God. chaps on all their videos. So uh, yeah. That's wild. Man, I feel like all of the internet uh, stuff that I did as a kid, like it's still exists now mm. um i was on fanfiction.net a lot um Ooh, yes it's it's how i started um getting into writing um i was in soompy which kind of sort of exists as a forum but not really as much anymore um it wasn't just like a k-pop forum you could also talk about uh college applications and <laughs> uh you know like ask people like what was your gpa what was your ex- extracurricular activity uh activities mm. and uh, you got to like meet random people um i i, I was an admin of a k-pop forum and Aww, i love this i love this, <laughs> uh, I love this so much. and like all of the friends that i've met in this k-pop forum uh, i'm still friends with them i talk talk with them every single day so uh we've been friends for like over 10 years so a lot of the internet stuff that i did as a kid still like it still continues to live on and i don't know if that's like a bad thing because it's, it's like am i still a kid is that why it, oh, is that why like this thing. still exists but yeah um 
it's interesting to hear all, about all of these sites that I've never heard about. I feel like <laughs> I have like a blind spot when it comes to pop culture. That's no, so... Well, oh, sorry. Keep going, Akka. Well, I was just going to say that was what was so interesting about the early... I guess I'm saying early internet. Marvin's like, mm, the kids think they're the part of the early internet. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, the internet before, I guess, the consolidation of things is that you could be in so many far-flung parts of it. And, like, I, I don't know. I always... I think about it fondly because I feel like it was a way to find yourself um, without having to, like, rely on social norms. Um, I don't know. I, I That's mm. why I asked the question. It kind of reminds me of this book, of, of Finding Yourself. And I feel like a lot of our generation did it through the internet. And mm. um, baby boomers don't always understand that. Baby boomers are like, why you have to come for me? But I don't think they always <laughs> understand that. And so, <laughs> like, it, it feels like we never grew up, but we grew up differently. You know what I mean? And so mm. our memories and our adulthood <laughs> looks different from theirs. Yeah. I mean, for us, uh, for our generation, like the, the defining trait, I think, technologically at least, is we're the last generation to remember life without the internet. Like mm-hmm. an actual like recreational life without the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, most of the Gen Z slash Zoomers, uh, they grew up with this. Like they grew up with the internet being a thing already. So they've already mm-hmm. known like screens and stuff, even as mm-hmm. like toddlers, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did anyone watch like Digimon? And now I'm like really Oh my out. God. Yes. I watched so much Digimon as a kid. I actually wrote Digimon fanfic. I love it. I literally love it. You guys it. will never be able to find it, mm. but because I've <laughs> I've like buried my dark past as a fanfic writer. But yeah, go 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 on. <laughs> um I I feel like we all do that when it comes to fanfic, but I don't think we should because I think it's an exploration of self. But there comes with this odd feeling of like, oh God, this is so embarrassing. Another topic for a different day. Digimon, I think, is so interesting because I think, to Marvin's point, it's this conversation of a generation switching from the physical to the digital Mm. and, and trying to connect, make that connection with a humanity, which is why like... Digimon sits in such a weird space because there's a physical transfer of people into the digital world, not an avatar, a physical movement. And then, you know, in the movie, there's a physical transfer of the Digimon into the physical world. And it's this, Mm. a generation trying to contend with what it means, the reality of the digital, it it being real and in a way shaping the way we facilitate that experience. I don't know. It's, and I think it could only happen at the beginning of the internet. I don't think it, yeah. translates in the present that's so interesting so it makes interesting. me wonder um i, I guess we're, we're gonna jump right into uh the book she of the mountains uh it makes me wonder how uh different it would have been for the narrator if uh they were living in the time of the internet mm. you don't actually know like what time period that they live in but it seems like it's um before the rise of the internet mm. yeah yeah well with that said, I think it's time to jump into our book club discussion. Oh, sorry, r- r- sorry, super quick. Um, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, but I this whole conversation had me thinking about this like visual novel that I played recently. I just want to like throw that in. Oh out, yeah, like, go, go right ahead. Okay. Um, so there's a game called Secret Little Haven. It's like this visual novel that's like maybe maybe like three or four hours, and it's literally all about you're like playing as this like teenage girl like exploring like fanfic online and just like kind of like coming to understand herself like throughout the narrative um very much salient with this whole like kind of coming to understand yourself through the internet and like kind of finding Mm. your peers in your community highly recommend it just wanted to put that out there that's it okay i'm sorry marvin please (laughs) don't apologize just want to sprinkle that in um yeah 
Once again, we're here to talk about our February 2021 book club pick. Um, so let's get to that. Uh, Rira, do you want to start us off with the book jacket description? Uh, okay. So um, the book jacket description goes, in the beginning, there is no he, there is no she. Two cells make up one cell. This is the mathematics behind creation. One plus one makes one. Life begets life. We are the period to a sentence, the effect to a cause, always belonging to someone. We are never our own. This is why we are so lonely. This is the opening to She of the Mountains. Uh, this is a beautifully rendered, illustrated novel by Vivek Shreya, uh, the author of the Lambda Literary Award finalist, God Loves Hair. And the illustrations are by Raymond Bysinger, whose work has appeared in The New Yorker and The New York Times. And the book is about uh, a young uh, queer person who is exploring uh, their body and uh, their sexuality, and it interweaves the reimagining of Hindu mythology. Um, so I was very afraid going into this book, uh, because mm. it seems so intimidating with the poetic, uh, language. And also, um, I'm not familiar with Hindu mythology. So, mm -hmm. so just from the get go, I was terrified reading this book. Uh, I didn't <laughs> think that I was smart enough to read it. Uh, how about you guys? <laughs> Literally same. Um, like, <laughs> like we picked the book. I was excited to read it, but I also was like, am I going to like, Am I gonna understand this? And I and I did. Like it like it was a really great experience. But yeah, going into it, I was like, I don't know, I was definitely a little bit like I, I was worried, yeah, just like how much I guess I would understand going into it. Um, I feel like I didn't have any thoughts going into it, mostly because I didn't think that much. <laughs> like, well, that's always a good strategy. Love I was it. like, well, there's a cover and now it's open. Um oh, but I was, I was really moved by this book. I was, I felt very mm. seen by the book. I felt Absolutely. very, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I tend to like get upset with romance novels because I feel like there's a certain narrative that's perpetuated, which is not fair. My friend was like, have you considered why you think that? I was like, I don't know. But this <laughs> book, <laughs> I felt like it said all the things the gray areas and complexities that I couldn't, I've never been able to put into words. Mm. Yeah. I mean, for me on approaching this book, I, I was more concerned because it was pitched to me as a poetry book, which it really isn't as much as mm. like, um, mm. there's a poetic style to it. So that was what was intimidating me because we haven't done a poetry book on this podcast before, but um, the style actually was fine. It was, I yeah. mean, in terms of the, Indian mythology. I think I wasn't as intimidated because, as a, as someone who grew up watching like a ton of anime that draws a lot from Eastern mythology, I think I have mm -hmm. a baseline, like very shallow knowledge of mythologies from a lot of Eastern culture. So I knew Parvati um, was like the goddess of life and love. I knew Shiva was the god of destruction. I mm -hmm. kind of knew. I've heard of you know Kali and Sati um, through, like, to be honest, playing like Shin Megami Tensei games. Oh my, um, what? Okay, we got to talk about that offline. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so like, the names were familiar, but the retelling of those those stories was really interesting to me. I found myself, like, I was interested in the, the I guess we, we could call it the core narrative of the protagonist. Um, but mm. 
um, I was also finding myself, can we get back to the story of like Parvati and Shiva and Ganesh? Um, I like in an interview uh, with Plentitude magazine, uh, Vivek said, Hinduism is a queer person's playground. Hindu gods were my first queer role models. And you can clearly see that in this book because uh, like there's a lot of um, stories about like embodiment, like how the Mm. gods got the Mm. form that they are in with Ganesh and uh, with Kali. And just like in terms of like death and regeneration, and I thought that was like a really clever way to interweave uh, the core narrative, like you said, Marvin, um, because it's about like a queer person who um, doesn't feel like they know themselves in in their own body. In fact, like they hate their own body. Uh, so they go through this transformation. And as you're reading the book, you it's like separated with mm. the Hindu mythology. So I thought that was a really uh, clever way to like tie the themes together. I just wish I knew more about Hindu mythology because <laughs> I heard that like I heard that Vivek uh, subverts a lot of the patriarchal um, like the patriarchy stuff, stuff. I sound so intellectual right now. <laughs> um, but like, uh, there's a lot of patriarchy in terms of um, the depiction of Pavardi. And of course, since I don't know mm-hmm. anything about uh, Hindu mythology, um, I didn't really see that subversion. So I think um, I, I also don't know as much as I would like about Hindu uh, mythology. But I, I I think I was so one, I wanna say I, I listened to it, so the poetry of it was super engrossing. And so it almost felt like I was like I like as when it started, when like at the beginning there was one, I was like, whoa. And then it just kept going and it almost felt like I was just I was like, let's just go with it. Let's just feel through it. So when the mythology I also love mythology. So when the mythology came in, I was like, I get the feeling I'm not getting the original. <laughs> I get the feeling that I this would make more sense if I knew more. But I was like, but for what it is, if I move with it, it feels really good. And it feels really interesting. And I'm captivated. And I felt that way about the whole thing. So I agree. I didn't know as much as I wish I did. But the way the story's written, it's almost like, I don't think you need, I don't know if you need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think you need to either. I I think it just enriches your um I agree. An understanding of like the themes and uh appreciate like the structure of it. Cuz the structure of this book is uh really unique. It's very ex- experimental. Um mm-hmm. this is an illustrated uh novel. Uh so it's interesting that you you um read the story through an audiobook um because it's like of a poetic nature. Mm. Um, what did you guys think about the illustrations? I, I'm not sure if I had many thoughts around them. I'm sure kind of similar to you. I I, I don't necessarily have as much of, I guess, the background understanding of like Hindu mythology. So I was kind of, I was like looking at the pictures and I was like, I feel like this means a lot. (laughs) I feel like this means so much, but I like don't have the prerequisite knowledge for this to fully track i remember there was an illustration and i guess the i don't want to call it the main story because i guess they were both kind of happening concurrently but like in the i guess more romantic story um when the main character was kind of like exploring like having sex with like men and all of that there was an illustration of like 
two dicks like kind of crossing together like yeah. making, like an X and I was like how fun but like I'm like these I these I like this but I don't I feel like I didn't really understand it but that one I did anyway um what yeah <laughs> same it's I so split cute. my time between the audiobook and the um the Kindle version which you know I read on my iPad so I can see the illustrations in all its glory and at first I was trying to analyze the pictures like what is this trying to say to me like like an art critic but then at mm. some point i was like i'm just not smart enough to really like, give my input here i mean that's exactly how i felt as well um i mean like when i go to museums too i'm like this is a Same. nice painting but i don't know yeah. what it means mm-hmm. yeah so. besides the, the penis one which is like pretty like not subtle um yeah. these other points, <laughs> like yeah. very clear um i did really like the one with the circle um Oh, with like Ganesh going around, um, yeah, yeah, his parents, yeah. Because when I when I listened to it, I got that he circled them, and I was like, okay, that's cute. But then when I went back, <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, okay, that's fun. But then I went back and I looked at it, and there's concentric circles making a larger circle that kept going. It felt very non-linear, and suddenly mm-hmm. was like, oh, I get it. Like we're looking at this linearly, and the author's telling us like. It's not linear. It's not straightforward. It's it's queer. It's nuanced. And I was like, huh, I probably should have picked up the actual Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> That's Earlier so... I, Akko, I wanted to actually ask you, because this book uses a lot of... Um like repetition to kind of emphasize things. Like, mm-hmm. how was that in the, in the audiobook? <sighs> it's okay. pretty intense, I want to say. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, was I, yeah say... I can I can imagine because yeah. just reading that, uh, it was really tempting to just skip all skip. of that because it was repetitive, but I forced mm. myself to read it out loud. Mm. And, you know, after like maybe the fifth line, because uh, like your gate shows up for like a page yep. and a half. Yep. So it's like, by the fifth line, I was like, oh, this this is getting really uncomfortable to mm-hmm. to say this out loud. And yeah. with the emphasis uh, of the words, because it's uh, some words are capitalized. There's an emphasis on your or gay. So mm-hmm. just reading in that cadence was just like, yeah. like, I feel like I'm I'm like whipping myself and I'm not even like a queer person. Like, imagine mm-hmm. if you're like reading this out loud and you're a queer person. Uh, so yeah, I'm guessing <laughs> did did Vivek uh, do the narration for for this book? She did, yeah, she did. It was like it's exactly to your point. First of all, I didn't know it was coming, so I was like working on my computer, and then it happened. And I, I actually got Fair. bullied as a kid um, with repetitious language, and so I actually I actually had to text Marcy and be like, I'm "Not in my body. <laughs> this is wild." Mm, um, okay, and so okay. it, it really hurt. Um, it hurt. And I felt, I felt the pain. I felt the confusion. I felt the, the, the unclarity. I felt the trapped feeling. Mm. Um, and, it, and it forced you to be in that space with, with the protagonist. That painful place, that confusion. And, and to listen to her speak about the experience, you, you're there. You understand. When, mm-hmm. Because the protagonist is like trying to like make themselves legible in the world they're trying to to piece it's almost like they're in a room that's full of fog and they're pulling out reality slowly the pictures it becomes it when you listen to it you feel you're in the protagonist's shoes you feel the lack of clarity suddenly becoming clear and then the clarity is something ugly it's something Mm. (laughs) awful 
Um, so I had a hard time reading it, and I loved it <laughs> because it was just felt so honest. Yeah. Also, I just I'm realized gushing. I totally sorry, answered yo. for you, Akko, so I apologize for that. Oh, you're good. You're um, good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I'm a cishet guy, so books are a way for me to put myself in other people's shoes. And I think that's what this the story did really well is, mm-hmm. you know, give me a glimpse of what it's like. Because I don't know what it's like to question my sexuality and, you know, mm-hmm. identity maybe, but not sexuality. And, like, I think this story was just so vividly, like, you're in the protagonist's mind and their struggles with what exactly does gay mean. And mm-hmm. I found it really interesting that the you're gay repetition appears again later on, but in an entirely different context, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the way that it's portrayed in the audiobook, um, Vivek, she gives each repetition a different inflection, which yes. adds like a different mm-hmm. layer, and you just feel the pain in each different type of way your gay is spoken. Mm-hmm. I think this I is agree. one of the times where I think the audiobook was probably better than um, the the written version because you get to hear like that pain in her voice. Yeah, yeah that's wow. I it's worth listening to. Yeah, I definitely. I I I think I might go back and <laughs> kind of see what that was like. Did, would Would you say that? Because I know that like when just on a not even necessarily about something particularly traumatic, but like when you just repeat something over and over, it stops like making sense. Like if I say the like the same word like 10 times like it stop it, yeah it stops i'm like am i even saying this right like did did y'all experience mm-hmm. that at all or was it like you still felt what it meant every time given like how she inflected and sort of said it you feel it yeah time. you feel it but it's like the repetition makes the feeling so much over the you get it like you're gay the word itself shouldn't have any real Like you're saying, it should become nonsensical after a while, right? Like it's like Mm -hmm. when you say soap a bunch of times and you're like, soap. You're like, what am I even saying? (laughs) What the fuck is soap? (laughs) (laughs) But but the inflection and possibly the context and you hear in her voice the experience of it, it makes it so that at the end, the feeling almost overshadows the word. You're very sure that you're gay as a slur by the end of mm. it more than you're sure of even the letters that make up <laughs> the word gay. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know is, mm-hmm. um i might be pulling my own experiences into this but marcy i feel like i'm not giving you enough space as a queer person to talk about how this book made you feel not that you have to but i, I want to give you space oh well thank you look at allyship thank you um <laughs> yeah, I, I love you <laughs> love you too boo but um I So I have a lot of thoughts that we can certainly get into, but I think especially with the Your Gay piece and kind of just that initial arc and the character's um, journey, it was really interesting how, like, there was a line where, I, I, I can't find the quote, but basically it was like, Your Gay was like, had nothing to do with like sexuality and everything to do with just like social policing and like gender mm. performance. Um Oh, I have the quote, by the way, if you want me to read it out Oh, please do, please do. Okay, so. It occurred to him that the gays and the straights had more in common than he had considered before. Just like the straights, the gays were intent on preserving a uniform, singular version of themselves. In this case, their gayness. They hadn't been saying, you're gay, you're gay. They were actually saying, our way, our way. Mm. Exactly. And I, it definitely tracked just sort of from you know like things i sort of 
witnessing things of how like it's like every it's like the way that the that that language is thrown around is just it just has everything to do with like coercion and kind of getting people to conform to like gender norms and like performance mm. um and it was interesting because even the character was like yeah i mean i'm attracted to people of multiple genders but like what does this even mean? Like literally was like, I don't actually, I literally don't know what your gay even means. It's like before even having an understanding of the language and what it meant, like already having this slur, like it's not even like being gay is a slur or anything, but the way it was used was like, yes, pretty much the equivalent. And so I was like, this is, this runs deep. <laughs> this is like, this is like, it's like hitting a little too close. Um, and I was just like, yeah, this is, um, it's just wild. And like, I remember there was a quote, something to the effect of like, you know, it's, it, it's all about just like removing any weakness or like girl from inside of, inside of this character. And I was like, yep, that, that tracks. So, so yeah. But. Yeah. It's definitely rooted in misogyny, right? Cause it's, yeah. it's like, it's just like, oh, you're gay because you're quote unquote sissy. Like, like what mm. does that even mean? You know, like right. what's wrong with being more feminine or, having like more right. um like traditionally like feminine qualities like that doesn't mean that you're weak but you know by right. saying that it is like saying that you're gay yeah um i i really did like how language was used in in this book right because uh, with the repetition you think that it will lose meaning but in, instead it like increases the pain mm. and um i like how um the length, like I, in in the quote that I said before, um, you you see language being policed by both sides, by uh, mm. the straight community and also by the queer community, and it's and I found it so ironic that uh, a lot of people in the LGBTQ uh, community they you know suffer from language policing, mm -hmm. but they then enforce that policing into their own community, right. And uh, I like as like a cis het person, um, that was just like that was like a a nice um, way for me to see that pain, right? Like I could actually mm -hmm. like it, it was put in a way where I can empathize. Yeah, and I think this book is like a really good introduction to to queer literature. Um, if you haven't read a lot of books with queer characters or mm. um, don't have a lot of queer friends or um, acquaintances in your community. Yeah, I would agree with that. I agree. I was going to say that, um, Marcy, I think we talked about this a little with when we were talking about um, we are who we are and, and the need. It's interesting this book pulls from Hinduism and, and it goes outside of the American narrative and, and to the, the POC or, you know, an immigrant narrative. Because there is something about America that requires classification. There's something that requires mm. um, very stringent definitions of things in a way that hasn't always existed before and possibly we're trying to get away from now. Um, mm. And I felt what the author was trying to do was kind of pull, you know, she was saying like, it has not always been the case that these definitions have defined us. And, and when, mm -hmm. when she was saying, you know, one plus one, it's, she was, it's like she's calling on science, but she's also calling on, on, on religion. And it's a way of saying that we, we relegate our bodies to words that are newer than our bodies, you know, to a science that's newer <laughs> okay, than... Okay, I need to sit down. I'm already seated. Okay, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> I, I was so moved by this book, y'all. But like, yeah. and I, I could feel her trying to tell us that, you know, in this way that's like, why must we limit ourselves 
when we are so much, we've been around for so much longer. Sanskrit is one of the oldest languages. You know mm. what I mean? Like we have defined ourselves so many ways before. And I think when I was reading it, I, I'm cis and heteronormative. Oh, I don't know how much I identify with straight culture, but that's neither here nor there. But um, I was like, when I read this, I was like, we must all look at ourselves. We must, we are, we must all force ourselves to remove ourselves from this, these like narratives and ask ourselves, we're, we're so much farther and so much more beyond that. And mm. I think, I don't want to say one thing Marcy has taught me because Marcy's taught me like, a billion things. Oh my God, stop. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, but my like freedom is, is you know, that freedom, that work you've had to do to, to be free, because I don't want to discount the work, but in your body, you're always so free. Um, mm. and, and, and I think straight people, we think, it's similar to whiteness, where whiteness thinks it's the most free, but in a ways we're the most trapped. And we have to, you know, this book, mm. if you would allow it to, isn't just a, a mirror for queer people to see themselves. Although if you are queer and you do read this, I think you will see yourself and that's really beautiful. But <laughs> all of us have to, you know, we, we tend to say like, oh, we're looking at someone else's experience, but the humanity here is all of us. So can we yeah. not internalize it and say, you know, how does this make me review myself? Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's a good point. I feel like the way that I approach this work is to, you know, look at it. Like it's a way for me to gain perspective on the queer point of view, but at the same time also, translated because as a person of color in the united states we related to our own experiences too right in terms of being marginalized mm. being, mm -hmm. and even the narrative about um, language policing in in the queer community that happens in the asian american community too i'm sure it happens oh in, yeah like, definitely any community yeah. of like mm. marginalized people or minorities where there's a certain way you're supposed to be and that is different for everyone and mm -hmm. like if you find yourself outside of that norm you get like shut down a lot Right. Even in mm. activist communities, too. Right. We see that happening yeah. all the time, like purity politics, things like that. It invokes that um, those feelings. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. You can't you can't remove uh, color from um, other parts of your identity. It's definitely going to impact the way you navigate in the world. And I really like that uh, Vivek like didn't, you know, stray from that you know it's, yeah. it, it could have just been easily yeah. a book about um about like a non-normative uh, a non-heteronormative love story about like mm -hmm. you know bisexuals and uh, and like a commentary on bif biphobia and bi erasure but vivek put in um the poc aspect of it how mm -hmm. like how it feels to be marginalized in already a marginalized community, mm. uh, in a community where like you feel unseen, but like you're there's like another layer to it, and mm. we see this a lot in the literary community. We've seen, um, I, I think it was like recently too, this past month, um, a white queer author had said like, oh, they should like uh, queer stories come before um, stories uh, by POCs. And it was like one what? of those days when I hadn't logged onto book Twitter in a really long time. Wow. And then so that was confused. like, and everyone was just like subtweeting. And I'm well, like, like, who, like, who said this? I still don't know who said it because it's book Twitter. But yeah, it's like, there is this tier system, right? It's like mm. our stories matter more than this marginalized group. It's like um, white and straight, white and queer. 
Yeah. Uh, and then it's like queer um, people who identify as male. And it's just like mm. all of these tier systems. And mm. uh, I liked how that was, you know, it, it wasn't taken apart in the story. And yeah. um, I do like the fact that Vivek also mentioned, um, uh, I, have the, I have the quote here. And yet brown in and of itself had not yet registered as a real color to him. Brown mm. was unremarkable, a non-color akin to a shade of gray. He had mm. been blinded by another color, mm. white. And I like the fact how the narrator, who is brown, um, he doesn't realize, like, he, he doesn't really register the fact that he's brown until he's yeah. with uh, his, his girlfriend, uh, who is also brown. Mm. And uh, I thought that was, like... I thought that was a really interesting contrast because uh, he dates Smith for a while, um, mm. it's, and I'm guessing by like the the name, it's it's like a white gay, like I don't it's know. like the most <laughs> yeah. basic yeah. white guy. It could have been Brian, like like, like shit. Imagine Connor, the Abercrombie <laughs> model, and that's that's Smith. Yes. I mean, I feel like the narrator dunks on like white dudes a lot, right? Because the only other character that's named is another white dude that was his girlfriend. X, Morty? I guess. Oh my god, Morty. And, like, his whole thing was like, <laughs> that guy is like, he's mediocre. He's like, whatever. <laughs> his, his face is trash. He must be good in bed because there's no other way she'd be with him, right? Oh my, oh my god. Morty sounded boring. I was like, I was like, I was I remember listening and being like, geez, Morty, like, can you get a personality? And you're like, Ako, you do not know Morty. And I'm like, yeah, Marty, but I bet like but he doesn't flavor his chicken. Like, <laughs> not that it matters. You know, you don't have to flavor your chicken. Oh, I'm like, Morty guess. could be vegan. And I'm like, not me taking for Morty. Anyway, um, Morty Rima, you were making a beautiful point. Um, yes, I agree. Rima, <laughs> I want to make sure we circle back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, and, and like Vivek like mentions like, oh, there there are like the good brown girls, right? The, the good mm. brown girls who always dress like business casual, um never like they go to nightclubs but they make sure that the nightclubs play bollywood and mm. uh with the narrator it's like i'm alternative brown i am the brown mm. that uh traditional parents don't see as a good match and mm. you know like that circles back to language policing right like uh, right. identity policing and i thought like even as a non queer person uh, I could really relate to that. And that's because I'm a person of color. It's amazing mm. how uh, these things intersect, right? <laughs> yeah. No, that's real. It's just, uh, I have so many thoughts. Oh my gosh. But um, I, I, I love everything that y'all are saying about language policing and how in a lot of ways, this book kind of showcased that like in a, I guess, traditional sort of Western sense, like coming out can sort of almost replicate going from like a like a small cage to a, like a slightly bigger cage it's like there's this socialization process that like especially when you're of color and like you know in, intersecting marginalized identities like it can yes represent freedom but like th- it feels kind of um like a trade-off like you're trading mm-hmm. something in return and that you, the, it, it's, it's not guaranteed that you're going to have full visibility and like um access to community just because you might align yourself with a queer identity um i think especially when you enter white gays in the situation the probability of that happening is a lot higher so definitely appreciate that but i wanted to uh, talk specifically about the um what you just said about 
sort of how the main character kind of came to understand and appreciate his brownness when he was dating um, his girlfriend. And I like that it kind of like that whole theme. I loved that it kind of subverted this idea of like, you have to love yourself before you can love anybody else. Mm. I've always kind of struggled with that in that I understand the intention behind saying that about behind, you know, like, uh, like a sense of like, like self-worth and like self-understanding and like self-reflection can certainly help in, you know, I guess, presumably a romantic relationship, but also too, there's a lot that can be learned from our experiences with other people. We cannot always just by ourselves like in solitude like completely mm-hmm. figure our shit out and be perfect and then it's like okay well ready for love and it's like but you can also <laughs> like gain that from others and like i think to to go through that process is is a really beautiful one and like i think it also is really realistic of like just being like wow like i really am learning so much about myself and like what i value in my own like like these shared characteristics that we have like it just makes me able to like access beauty more readily when I'm like looking at myself and thinking of myself and things like that. Um, so I just like really love that. Cause I was like, yes, love yourself, period. <laughs> that is fact. But also too, like, it's okay to like be sort of like, you know, in process while we're in these relationships. Cause frankly, we're always going to be kind of in process throughout our lives. You know, yeah. like, there's not just like some golden era where we're like, perfect. Figured out everything, like nothing to figure out, you know, like, it's, like we're always going to be figuring our shit out. So <laughs> So, so yeah. Yeah. And like, and like speaking of love, I think we're able to feel that message more of like, oh, loving yourself is important, but also um, people who we love can teach us to love ourselves more Ooh. and to like mm-hmm. explore ourselves. And, and it's kind of like we have missing puzzle pieces to our identity and the people that we love are able to fill those pieces in for us. And, mm-hmm. um, but to like, understand that love you have to understand hate i guess um and you see a lot of hate in this in the beginning of this book um in the beginning it's from outside parties but like halfway in it's very much internalized it the hate has embedded into uh, the narrator's psyche and body and at towards the end of the book they have dysmorphia and by dysmorphia, I don't mean uh, the traditional sense of uh, seeing yourself as um, as like fatter than um, you you look in the mirror. Um, it's like they're literally seeing extra limbs and heads like a tail and, and yeah. tails. And I thought that was like I, I thought that was relatable because um, I think everybody goes through self loathing at some point. Yeah. And they'll always see like the worst parts of themselves, and mm. uh, no matter how much you bury the hurt that um, bury like the pain that people inflicted on you, that's still going to be a part of you, and right. um, it's always going to like manifest in in ways that other people can't see. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because we the narrator has the community is is teaching him to hate himself at the beginning of the book and yet society demands and that's kind of what i feel like the author is telling us then demands that you like alchemize that hate by yourself and become a full-fledged person by yourself to then be loved you know what i mean it's like a weird it's not like Mm. the main character hated himself on his own with no community so why must he you know why does he learn to love himself without community and I think yeah. we, we do that in the real world, too. They're like, well, just get over it. Like, well, you know, just forget about those bullies. Just like move on as if 
as if it wasn't a powerful social thing, you know, that, that, that seeded that inside of you. Um, And then humans are such social creatures. So to ask, you know, like we, 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 we find ourselves in the eyes of other people. We're not singular. Um, I remember when I was traveling, (laughs) this is like a weird story that I tell sometimes, um, you know, black girl traveling. So weird stuff happens. Oh, love it. Um, but so sometimes, you know, I was not the gender people assigned me. I was not the race people decide assigned me. I was not alive. <laughs> Some people thought I was not alive. Um, and it's interesting because uh, because I was transient. You know, none of those things stuck. But where you're not transient, where you're still there for your whole life, mm. the way people sees you, see you becomes you. Which is why they leave, you know, um, the author and not the author, the protagonist and his girlfriend. I can't remember her name. That's why they leave. There, there's no, there is no name. Yeah, they, they're they, all unnamed. Interesting. Yeah, they, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it. <laughs> That's what happens when you don't read. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I don't know. Like, I think about it and I, I bet all of us have moments where we've gone somewhere else and that's maybe lessened some of the internalized feelings that we've had or maybe you're like no actually i've been fine this whole time actually <laughs> oh no i i mean i'll i'll speak for myself i've certainly not like oh like i've been great this whole time and honestly yeah i think it's the experience of yes travel but not even necessarily like always like being in another country but just even like slightly switching up your location like mm-hmm. be, even being where you grew up but like in another p- neighborhood or in like another space it's like there's something about just like being elsewhere that kind of allows you to really like decide who you actually get to be. Cause it feels mm-hmm. like so much, especially when you're like growing up in this kind of environment, it's like, it's like, I don't even have a choice as far as like who I am. Like y'all are like calling me gay and doing all this other shit. Like I get, you know, like it's just like, I, where is the room for me to actually mm. create that space for myself? Um, so yeah. I wanted to add some context to that too, because this story takes place in Canada. Um, the narrator grew up in Edmonton, which is in Alberta, which, for those who don't know, is pretty much the Texas of Canada. It's <laughs> that's um, helpful to know. Actually. Yeah, it's, yeah, that is helpful. To it's know. oil-based energy economy. Um, they're known for their cowboys and ranchers. It's a very rugged culture. And the interesting thing is, um, the narrator and his girlfriend moved to Toronto, which is the you know, it's essentially like moving from Dallas to New York. That's kind mm. of the 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 mm. parallel there. Um, that's your fun Canadian fact from your resident Canadian. Resident <laughs> Canadian, yeah. <laughs> Wait, Marvin, you're Canadian? I had no idea. I am. Technically uh, on paper. Oh. Technically Canadian. Look at you. Go off. <laughs> I, I did, I, I did <laughs> like, like this. Like, I, I mean, thank you for um, for telling us that it's, it's like texas of canada because when because uh, like when i was reading the book i was like where's edmonton so i so i google mapped it and i was like this is in the middle of nowhere like people <laughs> it, like it, it's so far up north of, of, of canada and i'm like dang it must be cold people actually live here like how <laughs> like, <laughs> hey now you're being serious about canadians it's not that bad. Um, but yeah, Edmonton is a little bit north of Calgary. And Calgary is... I have a lot of friends in Calgary. I used to go there um, for their stampede, which is their annual rodeo. Mm. Very Texas, yeah. 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 I like low-key... Because I used to live in Texas for a while. Like um, I had friends who were like barrel racers. So when you were like... I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, the rodeo, of course. Like, I was like, <laughs> oh, no, this, this parallel is like wild. Wait, did you just say barrel racers? 
Yeah, barrel racing. It's like you, you what, get a what's horse. That? You, your horse like goes around barrels, like um. In a, oh, in a I thought they were like racing in barrels. Like people got in <laughs> barrels and raced. Okay, <laughs> no, 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 no. Makes no. more sense. Okay, <laughs> I was <No>. okay. <laughs> but yours is like. I'm terrified of yours. <laughs> yeah, it sounds kind of fun. I don't know. It sounds kind of fun. Well, we'll I feel like I, I. Sorry, in my mind, I don't know. I got Canada mixed in there, so I was like, I hope you're not going off like the Niagara Falls in a barrel. We've gone a completely <laughs> separate direction. I've gone somewhere else entirely. Uh, Marvin brings back. <laughs> yeah, going back to talking about the fact that. There are no character names. Rira, I was curious what you thought about, because I know you're very particular about prose and style. Um, what did you think about the way this book was written? Mm. Um, I think it was very, very clever because um, mm. it's going to mean it's it's going to hit differently for for depending on like the reader's experience. Right. For me, as like a cis head person, uh, having like an unnamed narrator um, it's like, I'm kind of seeing the world through that narrator. Right. But for mm -hmm. queer people who are reading this book, uh, it's like they're reading their own experience. So mm -hmm. by having an unnamed protagonist, you're, you're giving, I, I don't want to say like equal footing, but, um, I, I guess like it makes it more, um, I like I'm losing I'm losing like my <laughs> No, I think I know what Take you mean. Time. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean yeah. though, right? Like um you're able to just get into the characters' heads more mm. and it, it's also like how um this book explores language policing and how um labels can be restrictive. So having mm. an unnamed character removes like at least one barrier, right? So mm. um I thought I thought the um that decision was pretty clever. And also, like, Vivek is a multimedia artist. So she does music, she does um, art and uh, mm. poetry and books. And I know that for um, her other book, uh, Even This Page is White, it also plays <laughs> with, uh, it also plays with aesthetics. Um, mm. Most of the text is at the bottom, in, in the margins of, of the book. And it's oh, like a wow. commentary on how oftentimes people of color are pushed to the margins. And <laughs> okay. there is like so much space that is created for whiteness. Mm. And um, I like. Wow. So I yeah, I mean, I really want to read that book, too. <laughs> so basically, I need to read all of her books. Is right. What's oh, yeah, happening yeah, next. Um, yeah. So I didn't know she was a singer songwriter until the end when I read the the, the bio. But it made sense because. I mean, the narrative parts of this, like the non-mythology parts, do kind of read like a song, right? And you kind of approach it like music where, mm. you know how when you listen to music, there's no main character, right? There's no, right. there are no proper right. nouns in a lot of songs. For the most part, they're there for the listener to interpret, right? And that's why you, you know, people relate to, you know, um, Taylor Swift songs or whatever. Like she's I'm talking, talking about, about me. me. This right? is my song. <laughs> song about our love story yeah. yeah yeah and the way that this book is written <laughs> invokes those that like that i guess technique where mm -hmm. you can put yourself in the shoes of the main characters and because they have no names you can i don't know i feel like you relate to them more right you're mm. you're more tuned i guess and it makes it easier for you to relate yeah and, and something about not having a name 
Because it's so interesting because like reading the book, I, I didn't feel like, oh, like, I don't know their names. Like, what are their names? I just felt like they just didn't have names. I was like, oh, they just mm. don't have names. Like, whatever. And something about that is just really freeing. I think especially when you consider that, like, for a lot of us, the names that we use are names that we did not ourselves choose. Um, they just kind of were given to us. Something about just like not having one just feels like, oh, you can just truly be whoever. There's there's like a freedom there that like I didn't even recognize until reading it. And interestingly, too, you know, I think about kind of what we were talking about earlier with like brownness and everything, having like kind of a default character or like series of characters like be brown and kind of like explore what it means to, you know, sort of like navigate language policing, all these different things. It just it just was such a great normalizing technique that I was like oh like okay like we're literally we're literally not centering whiteness here like that's actually not happening right. um and when white people are mentioned in the book it's very <laughs> very obvious yeah so so yeah but something about yeah just not having a name is just like wow like what would that even be like because something like it, it it seems like almost a name is like a summation of like who you are and to not have to like have one it's like it, it's like you can kind of just I don't know what I'm trying to say, but yeah, just like exists in any way, I guess, that the yeah. name just sort of moves away from. Yeah. I mean, it helps you feel the story more. Yeah. 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 There's no separation between you and the the protagonist. Because in, in actuality, like when you're living your life, I don't like go around, I'm like, Akko. Well, sometimes I do. But I'm not like, Akko is walking. Akko <laughs> <laughs> is eating a sandwich. Um, no, but you know what I mean? When you're you, you your name isn't relevant to you. In fact, the, mm. from the moment you're born, your name is the last thing that becomes you. You know, you're, you yeah. exist before you're named. Well, at least in your mind. I'm sure like when you're in the, the tummy or the test, test tube, um, someone is naming you. But you know what yeah. I mean? For you, from your perspective. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's real. And it's just interesting because, I, I mean, even I think about literally, like, my own name. Like, I'm just like, would I have chosen this name? Like, if mm. I just, like, that, Yeah, just, that's true, right? Like, like, what is, like, like, my, I mean, Marcy is, like, not my government name, but, like, it's kind of a <laughs> remix of, I guess, my government name <laughs> that feels more aligned. But, like, even that, I'm like, would it have just been something completely different altogether? And something about, like, and I, I just think about that a lot. Like, what if my name was just, like, radically different from what it was? Mm. Like, would that change who I am and how I show up in space? Um, I mean, people change their names uh, for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, like, mm. I have friends from, from like, middle school and high school, and they went to college under a different name. And then mm. when I talk to them again, um, it's, like, it's always strange because they feel uncomfortable uh, like, they're just, like, are we talking as old friends or are we talking as, um, as who we are now, but you weren't mm. there when I was going through this transformation. So, like, mm. how do you, like, what do you call me? And, um, yeah, it's just names are, names are pretty powerful. And the thing is, like, we don't get a choice when we're born. We're just given yeah. um the name that is given to us it's it's our parents hope for who we'll become right Mm. uh like for example like uh for for my name i get this question a lot and i can't really answer it correctly because i don't trust my parents enough but Mm. um but like people ask like well what does your what does your name mean and for me, I've been told that it, it it means like conqueror of the world, and uh, it was that's given dope. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that that's true because <laughs> English translation is weird, and apparently my 
like the Chinese characters of my name are very uncommon. And uh, mm. since I can't read Hunter, um, like I, I don't know the full meaning. But um, yeah, like when I was young, because I was given a very rare and somewhat deep, meaningful name, uh, my family would say like, oh, you have to do great things because you have to live up to this name that your grandfather gave you. And I think it's the same for for like a lot of other people. Like, for example, like if if your parents named you Kyle and you decide to, you know, not be um, not be like a cis straight head person. You're like, okay, I want to change my name to a more feminine name because Kyle isn't me. Mm. Um, so yeah, like people change their names depending on who they become and it's never like a complete journey. You can, Mm. you can change your name at any time. And yeah, yeah, I thought that was like a really interesting choice to, to remove that barrier for, uh, for the storytelling purposes. Yeah. Mm. I don't want to be like colonialism again, but I like don't mind. So I'll do it again. Um, That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is, like, I I do feel like other cultures and different times changing your name has been allowed. Right. Like, oh, yeah, definitely. And I think the reason I bring it up is because I do think there's something about the Western, the post scientific revolution, the the um, the the idea of the empire and um, making people into statistics or things that are countable so that like once you put a name down on a birth certificate or like once you've that you are that there's no room for you know there's a solidification of Mm -hmm. it it's like finite exactly in a way that i don't think was always true i think before i mean birth certificates are like pretty western right like a lot of asian countries you know like birth certificate is just I don't know, like family genealogy. It's mm-hmm. not needed. Yeah. Like, like my name is a day name. Like you, well, <laughs> I'm like the name that's not Akko is a day name. <laughs> and so every person has an, a, there's a day of the week. And it's an indicator of the day you're born. It's, it's a spirit name. Like, it, but you have uh, other names too, based on ancestry, you know, names mm. m- can mean so many things and, and they haven't always been restrictive, but that, it goes back to the point about the, um, Americanness of this, or I'm sorry, they're Canadian. Our Canadianness, oh North American, the North Americanness. Who they're gonna come for me in the comments? They'll be like, oh, so you guys from the United <laughs> let's States? Let's just say Westernness, right? <laughs> yeah, let's let's, really let's say Westernness. Yeah. Let's stick with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's a newer phenomenon for names to be so stringent. Um. <laughs> so I, I, I guess um, pivoting a little bit or not? I don't know. Um, what did y'all think about the ends where mm. like the, you know, this couple that we were kind of been following this entire book, they end up breaking up because um, I guess the, the narrator is like, you know, I need to like learn to love myself without you and all of that. I had feelings. Um, wanted to see what y'all thought. I was just curious. <laughs> well, I'm curious on your feelings first. Okay. I, yeah, because yeah, it seems like I, you have I, very <laughs> strong feelings. Yeah, I like was doing a lot. Okay, so basically, I guess I so so I I guess some of my be- some of the feelings I have come from I guess just earlier in the book. Um, because there was a moment where earlier, um, you know, the two of them were kind of getting to know one another, and you know, I guess the narrator was like oh but like I'm too gay for you to like like me right like I'm like too feminine like there's no way that like I'm like completely illegible like to be with someone like you like if I'm seen as gay like it doesn't make sense for us to be together and she was like 
we could actually just customize our relationship and have it be what it is. Like we can, we can decide that it doesn't have to be based on like scripts. And so there was a period where he broke up with her because he was like, Oh, like I think I'm gay slash. I think he also just kind of wanted to explore sexuality and stuff. And so they get back together eventually. And then at the end, he's like, Oh, so I'm going to leave you because I need to like (laughs) love myself and like Mm. learn to be who I am without you. And it just kind of felt like, like I, I like okay. I, I said that in a way more callous tone than it was actually done, and it was way more like poetic and beautiful, and like you know whatever. But like I don't know. I guess a part of me was just kind of like, damn. Like I just like, I just like really felt for her. I mean, we didn't really get like his girlfriend's perspective, like her, I guess POV mm. and all of this. Um, and I was just very curious how she would have internalized all of that or what sort of her response was because I was just like, yeah, like I mean, I understand the reason, but it also is just kind of like did it i guess did this relationship have to be severed and they did say granted at the end of the book like you know like they're still kind of talking like you know it's not a complete end but it just feels kind of like i don't know it just seems like there are different moments where like the narrator's like i must do something for me and then like ends the relationship and then (laughs) she like and like they like get back together once he's like ready to like be with her yeah. again and something about that just didn't feel great um mm. what did y'all think because i'm not sure if I, yeah i just I, that's kind of something i was thinking about i was just curious what your what your thoughts were uh before we get into our thoughts i do have like a little bit of context uh okay. so this book is Ooh, very much largely based on vivek's life uh she was mm. in a 10-year relationship with uh, a cis het straight woman so mm. um okay. And, and like, a couple, and I think, like, maybe, like, two years after after this book published, uh, she came out as trans. So, Mm -hmm. like, taking into consideration that this book is uh, very much inspired by real life, uh, it could just be that the main character, um, I don't know, it kind of leaves an open door to trans identity. Mm -hmm. So, it could be, like... Like, that was the purpose of the ending. I am not sure. Uh, mm. I don't want to assume. Um, but, yeah, that that's some context to, yeah. to why that breakup could have been written that way. Got you. Okay. And I would say, like, the book also wasn't super sympathetic to the narrator. Like, I think it. Mm. I think they're very uh, upfront about how, like, yeah, like, what they're doing is probably kind of shitty to this other person who has, like, given nothing but patience throughout the entire narrative. Mm-hmm. I got the same feelings. Like I, I was bummed that um, they broke up, but at the same time, if the narrator had kept going their trajectory, especially you know during that third chapter where they're experiencing that like body dysmorphia and like this uncomfortableness, like that relationship would have gotten toxic sooner or later. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. I think that's true. I, I so first of all, I was like, no, but they're in love. <laughs> no um but uh, <laughs> just that alone i was like very hurt because i was listening to it while i was typing and i was like you know you're like it's coming it's like, coming no. No. Uh, but yeah. i think that it first made me realize the amount of ways things don't last forever but it doesn't mean they're not so significant to us you know um so i was like that's part of life like someone who is so deeply important to you um my not be there for your whole life everything's transient um but on the flip side marcy to your point which i think is is, i'm I'm going around it um it's the thing is that we hurt people in our becoming we all do um and it makes me think of obelisk gate 
and Easton and, and, and the way she changes. I don't know if you guys read Obelisk Gate, but you can listen to our podcast episode or just read the book. I don't know. Um, that's not even the first one. What's the first one called? Grace. Of, that's not it. My God, where am I? <laughs> it's the Broken Earth trilogy. I'll continue. Anyway, but we hurt people and are becoming and we don't always apologize. And we, well, we, you know what I mean? We don't. The fact that people change ungracefully means that mm-hmm. there's shrapnel. Um, I've been on the other side of other people's shrapnel. They're becoming shrapnel and it hurts. And you, it does, it affects your becoming, you know, it's like two molecules hitting each other. Um, mm. But it's, and it's not good or bad. There's no judgment on it. Well, there's no, there's no objective judgment on it subjectively, right? Like uh, the main, the protagonist has their, their perspective on it. And the woman, like you're saying, we don't know hers, but mm. she has hers and it would be interesting to hear it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think you get out of life or loving or knowing people or becoming without affecting other people. And the yeah. byproduct of that is, is pain that has to be worked through. Yeah. Um, or I'm wrong, you know. No, 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 no not at all. That was beautifully said. I was, I was just, you know, like processing it. That's why I was quiet for Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, like this book is written as like a lyrical piece, right? So I think interpretations are welcome of all sorts because mm-hmm. like, we all interpret it a little differently based on our life experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think all of those interpretations are valid because I think that's the reason why Vivek wrote it the way that she did. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do like, um, like you, you put it so beautifully, um, Akko about like how we hurt people in our becoming. Right. Uh, and like reading this book, um, it really made me question, um, because I have friends who came out as queer after uh, after college or like much mm-hmm. later after college. And, you know, this is like years and years after we first met and bonded. Mm-hmm. And uh, it makes me question, like, have I hurt them uh, mm-hmm. in their becoming? Mm-hmm. Like, did I, did I say something in my youth because I didn't know much better? I wasn't as well-versed in in the queer community or, like, the neurodivergent community? Um, have I said things that made them hate themselves or mm. made them feel unsafe? And um, I think this book, like, really uh, made me question that, right? Like, uh, yeah. especially, like, in the... It, there, there's, like, sections of the book where it's, like, written in script format. It's, like, scene one yep. they're at a bar <laughs> and mm-hmm. and like they're at a gay bar and a gay person goes up to um goes up to the main character and says hey you do know that like uh your your girlfriend doesn't actually love you because you're gay like poor you're like poor girlfriend they're they're like the victim yeah. in this relationship they're being duped mm. um or you know there's like assumptions made being like maybe they don't have sex I don't know, but, you know, like it made me question, like, did I say things like that when I was like 15, 16, when I didn't know any better? Mm. Um, And I know, like, I I know that answer. I I most likely did hurt um, the people I love and made them really, probably made them feel unsafe and uncomfortable. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like now that we're older, you know, like these types of conversations about our identity, it's, you know, it's seamless. It comes out when we're ready. Um, 
they had their queerness. I had like my mental illness. Like I was, mm-hmm. I didn't feel comfortable talking about it until, um, until I had like a mental breakdown and I had to go to the hospital. Like after I mm-hmm. went through that pain and also the pain of pushing people away and self-loathing, uh, it just came out naturally. And yeah, yeah like, um, I think it, I think this book really helped me examine, um, how, I don't know, like, like Akko said, like, pain is inevitable. It's part mm-hmm. of growth. You're going to be the person who hurts the other person and the other person is going to hurt you. It's, it's the circle of life. I don't know. No. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Wait, no, <laughs> no, no, it's it, beautiful. I, yeah. This is all, I'm like, I, yes. Like, yeah, just, like, it's it, beautiful. And it's, yeah. and, and it's not to say that, like, we should you know, become apathetic around like accountability or sort of, you know, this idea that like harm is inevitable. But I think just like, maybe just like the self-reflection around it and the, Mm. it's like, okay, so once you understand that like you might've caused pain or harm, whether it was intentional or not, like, I guess, what do you do with that information? Um, How do we process that? How do we, how does that translate into sort of how we go about our lives? Um, Right. So. I I was going to say first, I want to give like a lot of space to to Rio's Rio's vulnerability because that was like really beautiful and like yeah it was just really vulnerable and I I love it and honest and authentic the color page of book club is like honesty authenticity woo um but <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's not an easy thing to do um so I wanted to say that and the second thing is like the older I get the more I'm like you know what I'm just never gonna put a limitation on like an apology or or a mm. limitation on a of on a reconciliation even if the person doesn't want it um just to you know like it, if if it happened 10 years ago and i remember there's no crime in in that moment where you're like hey me insert dumb thing i did sorry mm. um and if it might not fix everything it might not fix anything but mm. it's almost like if 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 the side effect of being human and becoming and changing is how we hurt people then the remedy for that is atonement or at least acknowledgement and and attempts at reconciliation and perhaps westerners uh cut myself don't love (laughs) (laughs) don't love to look back and discuss and maybe that's what she's saying when she said instead of this being a period it's a comma um perhaps we don't love to look back but if we are going to be our true selves then maybe we have to sometimes yeah 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 definitely um not to throw too much shade but like i've definitely seen this trend in book twitter where like a white author would say something really questionable Mm -hmm. and they either double down on it or they'll just say a very like flippant apology and it's mm-hmm. like we're not asking you for your apology we're asking you to at least recognize the hurt that you've done mm-hmm. and know that there's no way to undo that damage and to do better cuz yeah. really like just apologizing and just forgetting about it is not helping anyone right yeah. Right. Or like to apologize and expect that like, oh, you're just going to instantly be forgiven or that somehow, like you said, undoes the harm when it's like, well, 
it already happened. So I think the intention behind it is important as well. Cause there's also like, there's nothing worse than like, you know, someone trying to apologize and you know, it being a shitty apology one. And then on top of it, they're like, well, you're supposed to forgive me now because I apologize. Like I did the thing where I was vulnerable and I don't like that. So you should like overextend and like perform forgiveness for me so that I feel mm-hmm. comfortable. And I'm like, Oh, that's not, Oh honey, that's not, Oh, sweetie, that's not how this works. Like, that's not <laughs> how this works. So, so yeah. And but, think about yeah. it this way too. Like, if you feel the pain for something, a pain you cause someone, aren't you only breaking even? Like, aren't you only taking half of the burden that you gave them? Like, that's what I like to think. Like, if you gave someone pain, and then in your apology you feel vulnerable and hurt, perhaps it, like in an alchemic way, you're just taking half of the pain that you should have taken at the beginning or all of, you know what I mean? Or all of the yeah. pain. Um, I don't know. I, forgiveness and apologies are such a, are such a hard territory. They're such it's, an emotional. It's a breath. messy, gray te- yeah. territory for Oof. sure. Yeah. I actually had, uh, this is actually funny and it probably reflects pretty badly on me because I'm, I'm Korean. We know how to hold grudges. We've hold grudges for for centuries. Um, <laughs> we're experts at it. Um, but I, w- I was severely bullied as 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 a kid, and I like was it was it like last year? Um, I ran into them um, through like mm. a family uh, through like a family thing, and they didn't remember any of the bullying that they did to me. Ooh, and wow. <clears throat> and they're like, oh yeah, like remember when we used to like hang out and was like, we hung out, but you also really hurt me when I was a kid, and you really like made me feel so small. And mm-hmm. it took me a lot of growth to say that to them. Mm-hmm. And you know, they they were just like, oh, I like, oh, I didn't know. Well, you know, I'm sorry. And that was like the end of it. And what? I was just like, well. Apology not accepted. <laughs> like it's okay. You're like just just be a better person now. Just you're not the same person as you were back then. But you know, it's just like it's done. I don't like I don't accept your apology. But life goes on. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's the pain. I I feel what you're mm. saying right now. <laughs> like that's the, <laughs> that's the pain, and and then the journey of having to figure that out, like how you feel. Ugh how you feel after someone has not reconciled in a way that is fulfilling is also like its own journey. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Small book, but small book, but you know, a lot of powerful (laughs) messages and a lot of exploration. Yeah. Um, Mm. Let's start um, wrapping up our discussion. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Uh, I wanted to make one point. Um, I think we kind of touched on it earlier, but Mm. when the author says that whiteness fills up everything um, and the way the way they talked about it felt really resonant in the sense that like there's no space for us. There's no everything. White movies, white. It was like white friends, white doctors why it was just like that repetition and that same repetition made me feel like yeah that's what it is like there's no space not because whiteness is empty and that's what we kind of see it as like oh everyone you know like in the movie it's like the white guy everyone can relate to them no it's it's that it's filled with whiteness it's filled with repetition it's filled that space is filled it's not empty and that paradigm shift was like really interesting to me yeah 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 definitely uh that repetition of like 
white friend, white teacher, white blah, 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 blah. Yeah. In, in like the written form, all of it is just, there's no spaces. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like white friend, but there's no like space in between white and friend. Everything runs together and it fills up as much space as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's, that's one of the things in this story and and in like these types of narratives that I have to experience vicariously through the narrative because um, I think I've mentioned this on this podcast before. I grew up in an enclave. Like I grew up in the San Gabriel Valley. My high school was like only 10% white. Um, So Mm -hmm. I grew up amongst other Asians and Latinx people. Uh, I didn't really feel like a minority until I moved to the East Coast for a few years. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this idea of being surrounded by only white things didn't apply to me until I was like in my late 20s. Mm. so no that's where i'm i come from but i mean reading this book and it being written in such a lyrical way i was able to feel that that um, tension from the page (laughs) Mm. agreed well i think that is a good place (laughs) to call it uh Mm. thank you so much marcy and akko for um spending the last oh my god so much time has passed thank thank you for taking (laughs) up (laughs) thank you for uh taking the time to talk with us uh we are a hermit podcast and especially during um this time of self-isolation i have not Mm -hmm. seen marvin since february of last year so it's like so it's nice to have uh like (laughs) more voices and to have um I don't know. It's just it's just nice to have friends. <laughs> Come on, friends. Yes. Yeah. This, this was coming from our resident introvert. So this is a big step right here. I know. <laughs> Ooh, we feel so loved. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, this was so... Well, what, I, I just... This conversation was just like so beautiful. Yeah. So seamless. I really like... I really enjoyed just being able to like share the space with you all and like really connect mm-hmm. on this level. So thank y'all so much for having us on. Like this was... This was everything. (laughs) And not just having us for being open and like, you know, like everyone, I feel like we all just like vibed. Oh my God. Am I a Zoomer? We just vibed. (laughs) Uh, Period. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So what did you all think of She of the Mountains? Let us know on our Goodreads forums. Um, Let us know on Twitter or let us just know know, wherever you can find us online. Akko, Marcy, uh, where can we find your podcast? Yeah, so you can go to our Twitter page, The Color Pages. No, at The Color Pages. No, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, at, yes. <laughs> and or the Instagram, <laughs> These Colored Pages with an S E, or our website, mm-hmm. The And if you want to send us an oh, email, it's, just These Color Wow, Marcy should have done the outro because Akko has forgotten everything. But um, or our website, These Color Send us a Gmail. <laughs> no, you're fine. I don't know. Listen to the Spotify. Yeah. A reminder for our next month's book club pick. Uh, our We will be reading Girls of Paper and Fire by Natasha Inyan. I'm really looking forward to reading that. Uh, Marcy Naka, what are you guys reading for, for your podcast? Yeah. So right now we're actually reading Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, which is kind of like a atmospheric horror novel mm-hmm. set in um in mexico in 19 i think it's like in the 1950s right yeah you're right 
Yeah. And so, so basically, yeah, it follows this, um, this young woman named Noemi who basically is like, has gone to this house to kind of like visit slash save her cousin, Catalina, and just like all hell breaks loose in the house. We'll just yeah. kind of, I'll just put a period on that and just, <laughs> um, not spoil the entire book. But yeah, but we're talking about that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time. So it is. check us out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Rira, we haven't read any horror, have we? No. That is by um, choice. <laughs> that is by <laughs> okay. choice. I'm, I was like, because I read such, a lot of books. <laughs> I'm such a wimp. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, after reading Confessions by Kanae Minato, like, after that first chapter, I was like, I, I can't go to sleep. No, I, no. It wasn't even that bad. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, it's definitely on purpose. Uh, if you do want to read a horror novel for the podcast, Marvin, you probably have to recruit another host for that episode because I'm not reading. Like, no, thank you. I'm not doing that to myself. Well, All right. Well, Marcy this is so much fun. Yeah. Thank you so yes. much for joining us on this episode of Books and Boba. Um, and yeah, we'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Right, keep reading. Bye. See y'all. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to Books and Boba. This podcast was hosted by Marvin Yue and Ri Ryu and edited and produced by Marvin Yue. Follow the book club on Twitter and Instagram by going to at Books and Boba and engage with us on Goodreads on our Goodreads group. You can also check out past episodes of the podcast by going to booksandboba.com and by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget you can support Books and Boba and Asian American authors by purchasing books at our bookshop.org account. Check out the link in our show notes and also at booksandboba.com. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian diaspora. Learn more about the collective and check out our fellow Potluck shows by visiting the website podcastpotluck.com. Thanks for listening. We're still here, and we're going strong. It's an exciting time in Asian America. There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever. But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences. So what do we do? Tell more slices. Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history. We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, Boba, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app.